worship our Father this morning. Hope and pray everybody had a great week, a great weekend, and ready to start a new week as we learn from the Word of God. It certainly is a blessing to be a child of God, and as we just got done singing, indeed, we are redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is something that we always need to remember and certainly be thankful for in our lives. I want to begin this morning by talking a little bit about prayer. In the Bible, in both the Old and the New Testament, we see many examples of individuals who prayed. We certainly recognize that prayer is something that is essential for the child of God. And there are some prayers, I don't know about you, but for me, there are some prayers in the scriptures that really stand out. Individuals who prayed, and you could see how zealous they were as they prayed to God and how passionate and the things that they prayed for were indeed powerful. And I wanted to share a couple of these prayers with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to identify who said these prayers and where in the scriptures they said these prayers. Now, you don't have to shout anything out, okay? Uh, but I want you to be thinking about this this morning. And if you're a little bit tired this morning, you have to pay attention. I want you to try to find out who said these prayers that I'm going to put up on the screen and where in the scripture are they found. All right, are you ready to go? All right, I'm ready to go. So here we go. The first prayer is this. It says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a son. Who said that prayer? You know what I'm talking about? I see some people mouthing it. Yes, it was Hannah, a woman by the name of Hannah. Remember, it was Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 11. All right, I'm going to give you another prayer, and I want you to identify who said this. This individual inquired of God for the child and fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. This individual was praying to God. You know who I'm talking about? Who said this prayer? Yeah, it was King David, and we read about King David saying this prayer in 2 Samuel chapter 12 after his child had died. All right, this one is probably going to be pretty easy. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I don't need to even ask you if you know it, because I already know that you know who said this prayer, all right? This was Jesus in John 17. Now, what about this one? Okay, if you don't get this one, you may be a little bit tired this morning, all right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Well, we know that Jesus, he said this prayer, right, when he was on the cross. Let me give you one more. Uh, actually, I have two more prayers I want you to consider. Here's a third, another one I want you to think about. I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. All right, is everybody perfect with these prayers? We're good students of the Word of God. Yeah, that was the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 8. Has everyone got them right? Everybody know where these prayers are found? All right, now I want to give you another prayer. I want you to identify where this prayer is found in the scriptures. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and that I deserve to go to hell. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I do now receive him as my Lord and personal Savior. I promise to serve you to the best of my ability. Please save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Who said this prayer in the scriptures? And where is it found? See, people are nodding their head. This prayer is not found anywhere in the scripture. Now, this is a popular prayer that many people pray. This is a prayer that many people are actually told to recite. But ladies and gentlemen, this prayer is not found in the word of God. In fact, I could describe this prayer as a prayer never found. It is a prayer that is never found. It is sometimes referred to as the sinner's prayer. 
And yet it's not found anywhere in the Word of God. And yet it is odd that so many people, millions of individuals, you might be able to say, are encouraged to say this prayer and motivated to say this prayer. And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm making all this up, you start studying with more people, you're going to hear a lot of people who, make, who have said this prayer. I had a Bible study this past Monday with Jane Ellen and some of the, the ladies where she lives, and a very sincere woman said that this is what she said in order to be saved. This is a prayer that many individuals have said, and yet it is a prayer that is never found in the Word of God. And I want to talk about this prayer that is never found for a few minutes because there are a lot of souls at stake and deceived because so many individuals have believed this prayer that is never found in the word of God. And I think we understand how important it really is when it comes to making sure that we guard our hearts and teach our children accordingly and have the confidence to be able to study with other individuals and to help them to see that while they may have been very sincere saying this prayer, This is something that's never found in the Word of God. And so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk about the prayer that was never found or that is never found in the Word of God. And the way that I want to do this, I want to look at a couple of passages. There's probably more than two passages, but we only have time for two. And I want to look at two passages where people commonly may go to to justify that this prayer is something that that God wants him to say. The first passage I want you to consider this morning is in Acts chapter 2. Many people turn to Acts chapter 2, in particular, verse number 21. And so if you have your Bible, I ask you to open it up here. Just a little bit about a little bit of background in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. This is where we find Peter and the other apostles as they began to preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had already ascended up into heaven. And now Peter is going to proclaim salvation in Jesus Christ. Earlier in verse number 17, or verse number 16, we see that Peter said that he was going to be, that he was quoting from the prophet Joel. So in verse 21, the Bible says here, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Indeed, we believe that. That's what the Bible teaches. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But I want to emphasize that this is not reciting a prayer. This is not reciting a prayer that many describe as the sinner's prayer. In fact, there's nothing in Acts chapter 2, and you can say the entire book of Acts, that ever advocated someone saying a prayer to be saved. Now, to understand what's going on here, look at verse 16. The Bible says, but this, this was Peter here speaking. He says, but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. These individuals had heard the apostles speaking in tongues. Uh, they, they heard this mighty rushing wind and all of these events. This is what the prophet Joel, Peter said, had spoken about. And he said in verse 17, it shall be in the last days. This was ushering in this period described as the last days, as Peter said. It was interesting in my Bible study this past Monday, there was a lady and she was talking about the last days and how the last days are yet to come. And I said, well, I said, we're actually already in the last days. And I talked to her about Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, where it says, and it shall be in the last days. So she corrected what she said, and she said, okay, in the latter, latter last days. And I said, no, that doesn't work either, okay? We're in the last days. And so what Peter's doing here, he's saying these events that Joel had spoken about, now these things had begun to take place. And so what we find here, Peter is going to proclaim Jesus, that Jesus is both 
Christ and he is Lord. He said in verse 21, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. So this is his message. His message is going to be that Jesus is Lord, that he is both Lord and Christ. And we know that because when you get to the end of what he said in verse 36, Peter said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so when one actually goes through Acts chapter two, they don't find any any indication by Peter or any of the other apostles to recite a prayer in order to be saved. Indeed, men and women need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But Peter is not talking about saying a sinner's prayer. What we do find when you read the rest of Acts chapter 2, you do find that individuals would need faith in Jesus if they wanted to be saved. This is why Peter is going to talk about Jesus in verse number 22. Look at verse 23. He said, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan, And foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, so he begins to quote from Psalm chapter 16. David was going to, David had said in Psalm chapter 16 that the Christ, the Messiah, would not be abandoned. His soul would not be abandoned to Hades. That's what he said in verse 27. Because you would not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And so what Peter's going to do, Peter's going to help them to see that David was speaking about the Messiah, that he was speaking about Jesus. In verse 31, he looked ahead, speaking about David, and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. So what Peter was preaching was that individuals needed to believe in Jesus and that indeed he had been raised from the grave. And we know by the fact that these individuals in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, look at verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They recognized that they were in their sin. They were lost in their sins. And they certainly believed that Jesus is the son of God and that he was risen from the grave. You see, that's what we find in Acts chapter 2. We don't read anything about the sinner's prayer in Acts chapter 2. But what we do find is faith. We don't see anything about a sinner's prayer in Acts chapter 2. But what we do find is repentance. This is what Peter would say in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. This is what Peter emphasized in his sermon. Faith in Jesus, that he is both Lord and Christ, that he has risen from the grave, and that individuals need to turn away, repent from, of their sins. This was the same message that Jesus preached. Peter wasn't preaching something new. Jesus had said the same thing in Luke chapter 13, verses 3, 4, and 5, that unless one repents, he will also likewise perish. And so what Peter is preaching here in Acts chapter 2, he's not saying a word or anything about the sinner's prayer, because that is a prayer that is never found in the word of God. But rather, he's emphasizing faith in Jesus, and he's emphasizing repentance. And notice in verse 38 that Peter is going to emphasize that if one is going to be saved, they must be baptized. Look back in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see what baptism is for. It is for the forgiveness of sins. And the Holy Spirit tells us exactly what baptism is for. It's in order for one to be saved. Brothers and sisters, what we find in Acts chapter 2 is how, as we just got done singing, we can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This is how we reach the blood of Jesus Christ, through faith in him, repentance, and baptism. And this explains how we call upon the name of the Lord, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21. Peter explained exactly who the Lord is and how to call upon the name of the Lord. And so when you look at Acts chapter 2, it could be the case that some will go to Acts chapter 2 and say, well, this idea of calling on the name of the Lord, that's the sinner's prayer. That's where, the, that's where we find our authority. No, ma'am. And no, sir, what we find in Acts chapter 2 is that we call upon the name of the Lord through faith, repentance, and baptism. In fact, in Acts chapter 22, look over in Acts chapter 22 as Paul rehearsed his conversion story. He was met by a man named Ananias in Acts chapter 22. And in Acts chapter 22, Ananias was told to go to Paul. We're going to look at this a little bit more in a second. He was told to go to Paul to tell him what he needed to do. In verse 16, Ananias was speaking and he told Paul, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You see, Ananias was not teaching him anything about saying a prayer in order to wash away his sins. He was not saying that he could say some prayer and that he was saved, and then later on he could be baptized to demonstrate his commitment to God. He said, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so when you couple that together with Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21, what we find, what we find no sign of the sinner's prayer. We don't find anyone praying this prayer. Now, some have gone there before, and some will say, well, all right, maybe I understand. Maybe I agree with you there. But what about Acts chapter 9? Because the conversion of, of Paul in Acts chapter 9 is, is recorded. And in Acts chapter 9, we get some more details. Look over in Acts chapter 9 real quickly here. In Acts chapter 9, we see that Paul was on his way to Damascus, and Paul's mission was to persecute Christians in Acts chapter 9. In verse 3, it says, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And so the argument may go like this. Well, look at Saul, who is Paul. Saul was fasting for three days and for three nights. And what do we see in verse number 11? That he was praying. And so certainly Saul was praying this prayer of Jesus receiving him as a sinner and being saved and, and now having this relationship with Jesus after saying this prayer. But is that what Acts chapter 9 teaches? My friend, that is not what Acts chapter 9 teaches at all. In fact, what we see when, re when we read the rest of the context and when we look at other passages of Scripture, 
we see that in Acts chapter 9 and for the entire Bible, the New Testament for that matter, there's no sign of the sinner's prayer. Indeed, Paul was fasting for three days and three nights. And indeed, in verse number 11, the Bible says that he was praying. We certainly do not dispute that. But later on, we also see that Ananias would go to Paul and he would speak to Paul. And in verse 17, the Bible says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight. Now watch this. And he got up and was baptized. What we find Paul doing. Paul had faith in Jesus. Jesus had spoken directly to him from heaven. We know that Paul believed that Jesus was raised from the grave because he heard Jesus speaking to him from heaven. And when you go back to Acts chapter 22, as Paul rehearsed his conversion story, I find that it is very interesting that when you read Acts chapter 22, or even Acts chapter 26 for that matter, Paul never says anything about him saying some prayer to be saved. He never says that at all. And he rehearses his conversion story quite a few times. What we do find Paul emphasizing is Ananias coming to him. And in verse 16, he said, now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. My friend, if Paul said this prayer, as so many people advocate today, to say this prayer in order to be saved, that's not going to fit with what we see in the Bible. Look at verse 16. Why was he baptized? Why was he told to get up? Why was he told to be baptized? To wash away his sins. Do you see that? So the fact that Paul or Ananias told him, you get up and you wash away your sins, helps us to see that he had not, he was still in his sin, that he still was lost in his sin, and that he needed to be baptized in order to wash away his sins. That is how he would be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That is how he would reach the precious blood of Jesus. And so what we find in Acts chapter 9 and in Acts chapter 22, we don't find the sinner's prayer ever mentioned. And we don't find the sinner's prayer ever taught. And we certainly do not find the sinner's prayer ever having authority. My friend, it is a prayer that is never found in the word of God. And yet there are so many individuals, sincere-minded individuals, who will pray this prayer and who will emphasize, and who are not ashamed to say, yeah, that's what I did, because that's what they believe to be true. But when you examine the Word of God, whether it's Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 9, and I know sometimes people go to Romans chapter 10, when you study what the Bible has to say, it is a prayer that is never found. Now, I want to wrap this up with some thoughts as we think about this prayer that is never found. While the sinner's prayer may sound really good, it may sound really good, And it may be super convenient. It is still wrong. It is not authorized by God. It is unbiblical. It is never found in the scriptures. And those who teach this prayer, believe this prayer, I think fall into two two categories. Uh, As Brother Wesley would always say, they're either mean or they are green. And what I mean by that, some may just try to deceive individuals by saying, well, just say this prayer and you'll be right with God. But then there are many others, I think, and I think probably most people fall into the category of being green. They just aren't aware of this. 
And maybe they just haven't really studied the Bible. And they're very sincere-minded, and they, they think they're doing the will of God, but they just have not taken the time to examine what the Bible has to say. And I'm saying all this because we've got to make sure that we're not deceived. I think sometimes, if not careful, we can be uh, maybe not embarrassed, but when we talk about baptism, baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. Baptism is something we read about in the Bible, and it's something that we never need to be ashamed of because it's how we're going to reach the blood of the Lamb. It's how we're going to be redeemed from our sins. And certainly one has to believe in Christ and turn away from their sins. But let us never be ashamed to teach and to preach what God says men and women must do in order to be saved. When you think about the sinner's prayer, I know people emphasize believing in God, and certainly we need to believe in God. The Bible makes it clear in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6 that without faith it is impossible to please him. And I know that individuals need to recognize that they're lost in sin. Our Bible study in the book of Romans, first three chapters are emphasizing that. That man is lost in sin and that we need to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I certainly believe what the Bible teaches about that. And I certainly believe that, all, that, that individuals who are outside of Christ, that's, they're, they're, they're on a path to go to hell to be eternally separated from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I believe that the blood of Jesus, indeed, it is a blood that redeems us from our sins and that Jesus came to save us from our sins. This is why he came to earth. All that we find in the word of God. But what we don't find in the Bible is one saying this prayer, accepting Jesus in this heart by saying this prayer, and then thinking that everything is okay. We don't see that at all in the word of God. Instead, what we find is what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what we do find in the word of God is what Jesus taught. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. You see, that was true in the first century. And it's still true in the 21st century. No matter how many people may proclaim this idea of their sinner's prayer being okay with God. And the question I really want us to all think about, we, let's make sure that we have confidence with what the Bible has to say when it comes to salvation. And maybe there's someone here who has said this sinner's prayer. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard something like this. And maybe you may even be a little bit upset hearing something like this. Uh, what I want to encourage you to do is, will you believe what the Bible has to say? You see, I can share with you what the Bible has to say about faith and repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. But I can't share any scriptures with you about a prayer of accepting Jesus in your heart. Why? Because it is a prayer that is never found. And so the question for all of us is this. What are we going to believe? What man says, even though there's no example or authority in the word of God, or are we going to believe what Jesus said and what Paul said and what Peter said? This prayer that so many people advocate is a prayer that is never found. Let's make sure that we stick with the word of God. That's my lesson. In just a few minutes, we're going to be dismissed and say a prayer. I'm sorry, dismissed and go to class. Although I am looking at the clock and it says 636. I got three more hours to preach. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. But I do know what time it actually is. So let's stop. Let me say a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed to our Bible classes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful, God, that we can approach your throne of grace. 
We are thankful for the fact that we can be redeemed by the blood of your son, Jesus. We are thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for the fact that the Holy Spirit has given us these words so that we can have confidence in you and know you and to serve you and to follow you. We are thankful for our salvation, the grace that you give to each and every one of us, and your mercy. We pray at this time, Lord, that you will watch over us as we go through a new week. Help us, God, to have confidence in what you have said in your word, and help us, God, to continue to share your word with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bible class will begin at 945.